Welcome to episode 142 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, I don't know if this is bad that I'm going to share a resource from the person who's on <laughs> the podcast today. That seems like a cheat. <laughs> but if you, um, like I said, have been living under a rock and don't know about Dave's injury and all of his wonderful resources, this week the one I've been using is he has a dodgeball game that is a Valentine's-themed one. Uh-huh. And so it's on boom cards, and the way that you play it is like the balls are under the different cards that you might have to say, and there's a whole set for articulation, or there's just kind of an open-ended one if you're using it for other things. And then you uh, use that ball to try and hit one of the either it's candy hearts and cinnamon hearts and then you push that submit button on boom and sometimes the ball will hit that one and stay there or it will mm. bounce back so mm. if you thought that uh, dodgeball was never a game that you'd be able to play over telepractice <laughs> you would be <laughs> wrong because really Dave figured out a way to do it so, and there's if you can share sound when you sh- screen share on your platform, which I am missing on some of my platforms, uh, there's some great vocalizations, like little funny things that um, all of the characters will say. And it's just really fun and gets the kids really engaged. So that has been my resource I have used this week. Awesome. Awesome. I don't know. You know he is so creative. Uh, I don't know how he comes up with all these things. Right. And so he's actually going to be here? Yes. (laughs) I told one of my students today when we were playing the game, I was like, I get to talk to the guy that made this game. He's like, wow, (laughs) what's your favorite game that we've played of of all these games? He's like, all of them. That was what my student said. (laughs) So that would be my answer to all of them are my favorite. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to, to hear this one, hear this interview. Hi, are you creative? Do you want to give a webinar or teach a course? Maybe you're a writer. Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So, to get started, visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform. Well, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Let's start with, and welcome back, really, in one sense uh, to the podcast, but let's start with how you got into this field of, first, speech-language pathology, and then working with kids with hearing loss. Okay. Uh, well, first, I'd like to say we had such a great conversation last time. I'm glad you invited me back. I was excited to, to be here. And um, I guess it's all just the context. Uh, my family are all teachers. So, of course, you know, I was looking for something like that. Um, I really enjoyed working with kids and I, a lot of my volunteer work pointed that way. Then, yeah, I just wanted to be a speech pathologist. So <laughs> when I got in, all of a sudden, there are all these 
forces around me, these giant forces like Dan Ling was uh, mm-hmm. was the director of my program at that point. There's Warren Estricks down the road. There's Judy Simser, mm-hmm. auditory verbal. I uh, was very strong in our province here in Ontario and uh, very inspirational to see those people. So, um, sure. so of course, I got excited. And, and the other lucky thing about getting into speech pathology was that um, I, I, I started my career right when cochlear implants were approved for children. So mm-hmm. my first job, I... <laughs> I took just because it was a maternity leave because I'm waiting for the cochlear implant program to start. And right, then I right. applied, even though I thought I had zero chance, but I waited like three months for that opening, <laughs> eating potatoes mm-hmm. and craft dinner and just trying to make it to that <laughs> first interview. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, and that was one of the greatest jobs um, I've had uh, because I discovered that I loved working with families. <laughs> and um, I'm very close to a lot of those kids that I, that I saw in those days and the families that I saw in those days, I still get cards, I get messages from them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the most rewarding thing about this area to work in is that um, you see kids over a long period of time, you, you start thinking, okay, maybe I should have worked on this uh, (laughs) earlier. And then you cycle Mm -hmm. back and you refine and you learn so much as you go about working at different ages and, and refining your skills and I think, I think the biggest thing I learned was that um, each child needs a different type of therapist. And so I'm very mm-hmm. play-based, down on the floor, a big goof. You know, I like to cheat at games. <laughs> I like to get kids crazy. And uh, mm-hmm. some of the families that just that didn't resonate with them, they couldn't model that. And some of the kids mm-hmm. were overwhelmed by that. And right. so mm-hmm. I think... You know, at the beginning, some kids preferred a more structured setting. Some parents felt like, is this learning? Even though it's preschool, they wanted a more structured approach. And so some kids, families would be leaving me and other families would be leaving another therapist coming to see me. But over time, I learned to uh, to adjust even my my skills. Uh, mm-hmm. I I have to admit, though, I still prefer being the goof. So those are my favorite <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's always fun. <laughs> so, um, so I guess that's how I found uh, what I like to do, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, at the very beginning too, I really like to make my own games because I feel it really makes you think uh, about what works and what doesn't, and it mm-hmm. allowed me some flexibility in in refining games as well to meet different goals and different needs. Um, I loved when I discovered a game that I could adapt up and down and. For some of the okay. students I mentored, I'd say, you've got you've got this game, and I want you to apply it to every kid you see uh, today. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. would have to think of how to adjust it. And I think that's great mental work, and it's great skill building uh, for being a therapist. Sure. I'll just say that Helen Beebe used to say you could mm-hmm. the person that couldn't do a whole session without a, a roll of lifesavers. Mm-hmm. Uh, is not worth their salt. I, I really am not at that level yet. <laughs> yeah, we're all striving to try to reach that. around seeing different kids. I remember my trunk would just be full, full right. of stuff. Mm-hmm. You turn the and, corner and sometimes and something I have to admit because I was bored, not the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I say that sometimes to my grad students. I'll, I'll uh, in fact, at the end of the semester, I give them 
some candy. It's, uh, it's just a tradition we've started. And I, you know, I ask them what their favorite candy is. And I go out and buy a bunch of it. And and that's what we I sort of give them. Um, the ones that are assigned to me at the uh, Akron Children's Hospital. And so I always include some type of lifesaver or something similar to that. Because sometimes you can't find the hard candy, the whole original lifesaver sometimes. So I find something that has something that's kind of like that. And I'll, I'll give that to them. And I say, well, we, you know, what, what is this? And I says, well, <laughs> Helen Beebe said you should be able to do a whole session with just this. Why did she say that? There's so much pressure. And they look at me like I have three heads and like, you're kidding, right? And they, they, they ate their candy. They ate it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I had a whole session with um I have a student that really likes things that are small and round and she likes to twist them. So we did a whole session with the chipper charts and not using the oh, chipper yeah. charts the way that they're supposed to be used, but just her stacking them up on the magnet and picking it up and putting it down oh, and using yeah. her device to ask for more of them. So See, that not sounds far like, off, I feel that like. That sounds like great fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I I think once I was using Alka-Seltzer tablets for a kid that was doing conditioned play. <laughs> That's cool. And, uh, it was a big, big hit, but very expensive sure. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to use Fruit Loops all the time, and mm-hmm. I know the 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 men, someone I was mentoring said, "Oh, these kids are going to have tooth decay." I said, "Yeah, great language skills, though. <laughs> <laughs> they can tell you when their teeth are hurting." <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So you've moved a little bit past, you know, using Fruit Loops in your sessions. Um, I think I counted your growing bundle the other day of reinforcers on the boom cards, and it was like, I don't know, over a hundred. Yeah, it's one hundred sixteen <laughs> at this point. One hundred and sixteen. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So if people have been living under a rock, tell them what kind of games you design and how you're using boom cards. Well, I just have to say some of these are pretty old ideas. So when I was doing a placement for speech pathology thirty years ago, I discovered that if I hid things under the stimulus cards as part of a game. Uh, they were more likely, and they had actually a reason to look under that card. They would name which card they wanted. And mm-hmm. I just liked that idea. And then I realized, oh, for each, I guess to play the same game. And for each kid, I could put different cards out. So when I was, uh, when I was in the last year of my master's, they increased the, uh, the tuition. They doubled it. And uh, I was a single parent at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how am I going to get the money for this tuition? And uh, I ended up making these seven games and selling them to my classmates. And then everybody else started buying them. That was the beginning of Troll in a Bowl. So I just sold wow. those games for, for a while. And um, and the games, yeah, I got up to about maybe 60. Wow. And when I first started with Boom cards, I was thinking, okay, I could just adapt these very easily. Like mm-hmm. They don't even have to find their cards. They could just click on the one that they want and it's all set up. And then I discovered that I can add voices and, oh, they've got other features. So I was I was happy to discover that I could just start designing straight into Boom. Now, mm-hmm. the, the problem I've had lately is that they uh, a lot of people say, well, where's the printed version? <laughs> because everybody wants one or the other. And right. so I've had to really 
really think of how I can adapt it back to a printed version rather than That's how interesting. to adapt the printed version to yeah. boom cards. And as you probably know that um, sometimes I take the same theme or the same kind of game format and I come up with a new idea for how to apply that. Um, I used to think, oh, this is kind of cheap. I'm just rehashing another uh, another version of the dodgeball game, for example. Yep. But it turns out, I think the kids like it. I think they I think like so to too. see the similarities mm-hmm. and the differences of that. And they feel some comfort of knowing the game and going into it. But then some it's fresh uh, by putting a new a new face on it, new characters on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I, right now, uh, you know, I, I think for the last since since COVID, I just started putting them up for my friends. Um, since then, more people have been interested and have been kind of chasing the articulation games. Uh, so now I'd really like to start, I am still feeding that, uh, I'm sure it's not going to stop at 116 games, (laughs) but, um, I'm, I'm getting more into listening games. I'd like to get more into games that will uh, work on a variety of goals. So lately I've been doing a lot of pronoun stuff, a lot of preposition stuff, a lot of these kind of things that people, people can use. And the vocabulary ones too, those, that's right. But that bundle's pretty new. And I really enjoyed using that one too in, in sessions. Yep. And, um, and so I actually now have four boom stores. So I have one for French and I have a friend helping me with adapting those. I've got one for Spanish and I've got one for uh, reading cards. So there's one for that has just fry high frequency words and Orton Gillingham, Mm-hmm. uh hierarchies in that in that one so so i'm it some of it's tedious but i love to draw <laughs> the new characters and record the voices and to get uh, everything working just right um have a lot of fun doing it yeah do you have a favorite game or character that you've created well lately i've been having a lot of fun with my 6 year old daughter doing the voices for the, <laughs> <laughs> for the little character so you know she the first thing she did were these little money marshmallows that you compete to put in the hot tubs, which are actually hot cups of hot chocolate. And uh, oh, we had so much fun doing it. And she came home the next day and said, "Are we working again today?" So I was like, oh, "How can I? How can I get more games with her in it?" So yeah. I did a a pee in the bed game. It's a, like a princess with with they compete with mattresses. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did all the princess voices, which were fantastic. And she'd. Oh, if there's fleas on a dog that is still on the <laughs> on the drawing board, but she's already done the voices for that. There's a ladybug picnic. She's already done all the voices for that. So <laughs> I'm hoping um, I don't just get locked into giving her a platform for doing her voices. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm having a lot of fun with her. Those are um, fun. And you know what I like is that uh, just just talking about adapting for different kids and different needs. I really like the cooperative games. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's great yeah. to work with your therapist or with the other kids in your group towards a common goal. And yep. so about mm-hmm. half my games are cooperative. And I think some kids are very sensitive to losing, you know, yeah. around especially around age four or five, six, you know. And so mm-hmm. so it's nice to be able to put that aside and just work together towards a goal. Right. And you're you're trying to save this guy or prevent that guy from doing something bad and you know, and and it's fun. What surprised me is that a lot of the kids are rooting for the bad guy in those. But um, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was never my intent. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I do like that. I have, I've been known to, you know, peek under a card and cheat for a minute to avoid a meltdown with a student. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. I, I give you full permission to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, I have one student that he will play Halloween meanies any day of the week all year round he wants to play halloweeny meanies which is is a really fun one and you have a couple different versions of that i know there's the pyramid one too that's kind of similar mm-hmm. yep. um where, Castle. yeah mm-hmm. yep where it's just the idea of like trying to uh escape with the items in the castle before mm-hmm. all of the bad guys cover all the exits so though that right. one's been really fun yeah yeah well i'll try to make more of those then <laughs> <laughs> and dodgeball. I don't know how you figured out because there's that feature in Zoom or not Zoom in Boom Cards where if you get something wrong, it bounces back. Yep. And you use that cr- to create a dodgeball game. Yeah. Yeah. I also have a a polar bear that's a hockey goalie. Oh, and, nice. Uh, that's good. That's cool. Yeah. I use the submit button to say whether the shot scored or not. So, so yep. you have to. So, yeah, hopefully it doesn't confuse everybody because I know (laughs) other normal people use that for saying whether their answer is right or not. But, yes, it's for the it kind of makes it a little more random. And I was I think we were talking before about how I've set those up so that they just have a slightly better chance of scoring than not scoring or hitting the dodgeball Mm -hmm. character or not hitting them. But there's Mm -hmm. some people that are having very lucky days and there's like it always hits and they email me <laughs> and I'm like, no, that the programming is the programming and you're just very lucky. And then the next email I'm saying the programming is the program. You're just very unlucky. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hopefully as people play the more and more, they'll think I haven't rigged anything. Yeah. Even though I want the cinnamon hearts to win, I did not rig it for them to win. <laughs> well, I have to uh, tell on Kim a little bit because uh, back in grad school, she was the one who had printed out everything you did in the listening room. Okay. And I, I think still, she, yep. You, you so had what? Somewhere in my cupboard, I still have, what was it? A bear that you would glue a um, Ziploc bag to yep. mm-hmm. and then feed the bear. That's still in my cupboard somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I did, I think I cheated the same way back then. I'd get an idea that seemed to work and I would uh, all of a sudden make a little old lady that, that swallowed the fly with a Ziploc yeah. baggie and all uh, these kind right. of things. So that yeah, was a but... fun time of my career is to work for the listening room. I, you know, it was a lot of pressure because I had to come up with new three or four new ideas a week for three or four years. And and yeah. I really think I filled that library with lots of, lots of stuff. And my wife is a, a speech language pathologist from Mexico. Right. And right. She, it was nice to work just like it was fun to work with my daughter. It was fun to work with her on the translations so mm-hmm. she 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 took liberties with my instructions, but um, <laughs> <laughs> she claims they made them better. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Just the same as the daughter. I can't keep her in the lines, you know. Like that's right. That's right. Um, so w- was it in? Because so for a while there, you were living in Mexico, right? I was. I with a family. I, yeah, I mean, uh, part of. Part of being, uh, you know, in front of uh, kind of this auditory verbal movement with all mm-hmm. the kids with 
with cochlear implants and, and hearing aids is that I got asked to do uh, a lot of talks. And for mm -hmm. a while there, I was, um, you know, I was free to do it. And mm -hmm. uh, I was lucky enough to go to a, a, <clears throat> a one-week course. I gave a one-week course to uh, the clinic where my wife worked. She had organized it. Mm -hmm. and so I spent the whole week with her and then lied and said, okay, I, I have to come back in three weeks for another job. Can I, can we go out for dinner? It was probably the only time I was brave enough to ask someone out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just wait for someone else to ask me. And right. uh, she said, yes. And so I went back and then we, uh, now we have four kids. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so going to dinner, you end up with four kids. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had a clinic in Mexico. We were very happy working there, but, um, yeah, it was just time to come back and get um, to Canada. And um, we're still kind of adjusting to the winters, but we've been here seven years. We I think we were there more than that, but, um, right. you know, we're still adjusting. I, I miss Mexico, actually. Sure. Um, I, I love Mexico, Mexico City, even though I, I get, I've gotten sick every time I've gone. <laughs> but that's a different story. Um, but was when you were living there, I think that was, um, you were, one of the first uh, colleagues and friends of mine that that was sort of doing some telepractice uh, way back in the day. Yeah, I I really saw great potential in it, and um, especially for some of the families in Mexico. No, mm -hmm. in Mexico at that point, especially there was very little internet access, and and people seemed to pay for their access, and then it would go away, and so it was very hard to find people that it would reach. Uh, but it had great reach, especially for people who had no uh, access to treatment. So sometimes in Mexico, there was a, a town that would you know, get together and raise money for a child to get a cochlear implant. And then they would go wow. back and have no follow-up and no support. And uh, so mm -hmm. my wife uh, loved to reach out to those kids and to work with those kids. And then she ended up working with a lot of families in Spain. And so this mm -hmm. was a great thing because it, over two time zones, she could work during the day and include right. the whole family in their evenings in right. Spain. I remember at the time, though, we we wrote an article uh, for, for um, a pretty popular website in Spain and about telepractice. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it had a lot of pushback at that time, a lot of mm -hmm. pushback. And so when the pandemic happened and people started, you know, really having to be pushed into this, I was right. thinking, oh, great, they'll discover how great it is. And right. one thing that worried me towards the end of the pandemic is that um, I'd be, you know, really involved with boom cards and, and watching the speech pathologists and watching people doing incredible things with green screens and mm -hmm. being very creative mm -hmm. and engaging, you know, and that's what right. I always tried to do is try to engage the child as much as I can along with the parents. And um, I saw people being very successful at doing that. Um, but then I'd see the teachers of my kids struggling, you know, mm -hmm. they just didn't have enough support and it was turning off the kids and it was turning off the parents. Yeah. And so I think in some ways that was a pushback <laughs> from right. where we where we got at the beginning. You know, I thought, yep. you know, a lot of people were like, this is great. I, the parents like it too, because they're not traveling. They can reach right in the home. They can do more, uh, you know, home-based activities and guidance. And uh, I think it's great for parent coaching, but um, you know, there's a lot of kids that have been turned off that kind of 
uh, format. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to have to work to re-engage them and, and to, to show the parents that this is a very, very great way uh, to, mm-hmm. to support them. So. Right. Yeah. I had a parent today that was a little frustrated that his three-year-old wasn't looking at me on the screen. And I was like, it's fine. This is typical. He can play with the toys. We'll, you know, get him to say some words while we play with the toys. It's typical for kids not to watch the screen while I'm on it. And he's like, but he can watch the tablet for like three hours. And I was like, (laughs) well, mine too, but it's not quite the same. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that there is sometimes that, like, getting parents to understand, like, it's not quite the same as watching YouTube, engaging yeah. with someone on right. the screen. Well, I think sometimes, too, it's just you shouldn't you should be the fly in the wall more than mm-hmm. the, right. the person that's engaging the child, especially for the preschoolers. And yeah. I think it's a great that that just opens it up great in a great way to mentoring too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so when I was in Mexico, I, I was able to do a lot of mentoring of therapists um, at a distance. And right. so uh, it was great just to, to, to just all of a sudden enter a room to be, see what's going on. And a lot of times, yeah, my screen would be black and just so I could, you know, make notes or make suggestions. Mm-hmm. Also this voice would make a suggestion and, <laughs> right, right. You can see it in real time, you know, take mm-hmm. take effect. And so I think uh I think it really fits with me because I love to learn and I love to adapt and I like to explore new ways of um approaching treatment. And I like to weigh uh weigh strengths and weaknesses of each approach and and to decide uh, you know, what can we do with this? What how this is a great, a great reach how do we really capitalize on this and i think we're still just kind of learning how to to do that i would say that that i i I was thinking about this when i was you know sitting in this kindergarten zoom class with my six-year-old at that time Mm -hmm. she was five um i was thinking how can you how can you teach people to engage because i see that Mm -hmm. also even when i'm doing live mentorship is right. that some people have more struggle engaging with a child. And mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just distraction because they know they have to be tallying, they have to be <laughs> reporting, right. or the right. or it might be a uh, presumption that you have to be getting more work done in a structured yeah. way. And this isn't yeah. supposed to be fun. I've heard that sometimes. And, you <laughs> That's know, right. I yeah. think all those things, uh, those biases, those, <clears throat> the, I think there's got to be a way to coach people to engage. And um, if they say, oh, I can't engage through the screen, well, sometimes I think I think those same people could probably learn from some strategies to engage mm-hmm. face-to-face. Um, so it'd be, I think, worth uh, exploring just from the people who are good at it. Right. How do you engage, you know? And and it's like the Gretzky syndrome. <laughs> I don't know right. if right. Gretzky would make the best coach. But someone should be looking at that. How do you? How do they get these kids to engage? I, what's that green screen lady? Um, Abby Hickling. Yeah, Abby so Hickling, she, yeah. I mean, I love to watch your videos because she mm-hmm. just, you know, she right. just right. pulls you in, and um, she's so uh, so animated. Right, so right. I think, and that's why um, it's so hard sometimes too, because what you think will work and what does work for one kid. Will totally not work for the next. <laughs> like I was yeah. so excited 
expected. I had these jokes that had like multiple meaning words in them and it was going to be fun. And my kids just looked at me like I was crazy. And one of them started crying because he thought it was so hard. And I was like, this was supposed to be fun. Oh, no, they're jokes. (laughs) They're jokes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Or my sometimes my issue is it's the 13th kid I've seen that day. <laughs> and I have true. lost yeah. the energy to be engaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, I think I think sometimes like a fun game or a fun activity can kind of lead lead you. But you still I think right. it's up to the, the therapist to engage. Right. And to. And, and here's the here's the real trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is Lay that, it on us. Okay. The I think the real problem sometimes is that we are good, a lot of times better than the parent at mm-hmm. engaging their child. And if we're parent coaching, mm-hmm. it is hard not to be the star of the show. And, sure. Uh, and so sometimes we have to show those parents how to engage and teach mm-hmm. those parents how to be the fun in the room. I don't know if That's this right. has happened to you, but there's oh, been yeah. kids I've seen where they go home and the parent says, I can't get them to do these games. It's not fun right. without you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing you a service then. I, I'm supposed to be coaching you. I'm supposed to be making right. you the star. And you're the one that needs the skills to apply this throughout the week between the sessions. And I feel like I mm-hmm. sometimes get caught up. And uh, for those parents that I'm coaching, it's a little different. You're you're trying to empower them to be the be the engager. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I I agree wholeheartedly, and uh, I think I think there is this challenge. You know, I see with my grad students of of sort of going from in person to telepractice, and how do you translate that this these activities to that you know virtual or digital um, medium, but also with the parents, you know, we do something, you know, um, in person, if they have more of a hybrid approach, and then I, you know, they want to do a telepractice session. And then it's like, they've forgotten everything we've talked about, everything that I saw, everything that we modeled. It's like, they're not doing any of those strategies. Like, where was the disconnect, you know? Yeah. but yeah, I, you know, sometimes when, you know, I, sometimes I've left the room and have said, just play with your child. I want to just see you play with this, you know, just, just relax and have fun. And it's like watching paint dry sometimes, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, there is, and it's no wonder. Yeah. And so it's like, it gives you an idea of how much work you have to do. I I saw one family where I felt quite insulted because the father decided the best way to proceed is just to mimic me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, do I look that silly? Really? That's me? <laughs> That's funny. That's anyway. Good. That's good. <laughs> it works. So I let, I let it go. Whatever works. Whatever they take away, as long as it works, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Something that, um, and maybe both of you have tips on this, something that I've oh. always struggled with in a telepractice session and the parent coaching model is the like balance of keeping the kid engaged, but coaching at the same time. So it's like, I'll coach and we'll lose the kid <laughs> or I will engage the kid and forget about coaching. So any yep. tips for like balancing those two? Well, I find that especially for a, a parent whose language isn't 
<laughs> their first language is in English. That happens more often than not is that you get into this explanation that takes longer than you want. And that, that yeah. can happen with anybody. Um, so I try to catch myself. Sometimes I'll mention something quickly and I'll say, but I'm going to explain this later. And I think this is where if you have permission to videotape the sessions, mm-hmm. it can be very valuable to show back a session and to live narrate what's happening here and they can see mm-hmm. it. You know, so many times when you discuss things at the end of a session, uh, they're like, I kind of remember. Right. But yeah. to see themselves and to pause it and say, see what's happening here, that's very impactful. Uh, before telepractice, I used to mm-hmm. yeah, videotape, videotape the sessions. And then I would videotape myself watching the videotape. <laughs> and I would pause the thing and say, oh, right. this is this. And it was great for me because I hate writing things. So I would just send them that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um but to make notes along and just think, okay, I've got to focus on this and to have some real uh, concrete ways to to explain that to the parent. Um, when I, I'll just say one more thing, uh, mm-hmm. is just that when I was working in Mexico, my wife actually had a great idea is that she would explain about a technique, kind of like say before you show, for example. Right. And uh, she would say, I want to teach you this technique. Uh, I'm going to teach it to you. And then we're going to try this in this activity. And so she would do that, but she would also film herself with the iPad, just explaining the thing and giving Mm -hmm. an example very clearly so that the parent can watch it later through a private YouTube link. And so she sent them the link to watch this and to show other people in their family, this link explaining a certain strategy. And it was very effective. Uh, mm-hmm. The parents came back knowing those uh, better because they're not mm-hmm. juggling a child, worried about their mm-hmm. behavior, trying to, you know, maybe bounce a baby on their knee. They've got sure. time to go and look and think about it and think, how do I apply this? So, um, so those w- those are what led me to do my thesis on um, videotape parent videotapes because I I saw the right. power of those uh, for when a parent has time to process the information. Um, and to rewatch these and to watch right. them with significant others. So, um, so anyway, that'd be my tip. And 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 those those uh, films that you did yeah. are still available. Yes. Is- uh, yep. I've got one more to put in place, but they're a lot of them have been worked to um, be adapted in different languages. Now um, we're still working towards Spanish because it's Canada. We did French first. Right. Um, but they're up on the Huron uh, YouTube channel. You can also access them right. through the University of Western website. But um, I think the YouTube channel is is much more available. It's it's less uh, swimming. <laughs> sure. Trying <laughs> so, to find it. Yeah. 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 But the YouTube channel. Yeah. There's ones on explaining the audiogram, explaining the importance. Most of it is guided towards uh, parents in the beginning months getting their head around all of this information that goes by very quickly in a audiological mm-hmm. session um, and learning the importance of, of hearing aids on waking hours and also uh, strategies for overcoming barriers in that first year. Of course, the barriers awesome. change as the child gets older. Um, so we're hoping to do more videos. Uh, but right now, I think we've got 12 up there. Oh, nice. We also focused on um, getting parents ready for that first ABR. 
because that's a lot to take in, a lot to take in. And even some parents come unprepared for the idea that accurate testing happens while the child is sleeping. And so right. they just maybe don't buy mm-hmm. into the diagnosis because their child was asleep. So right. this explains a lot up front and gets the parent to cooperate more. So not only does it reduce the the need for repeated appointments to get a good session because the parents are, are allies at this point, it also prepares them for the diagnosis that they, they may hear. Right, right. Yeah, I, I know we talked about this before, and I, I want to make sure that my audiologists that I work with and, and others know about those. So, Okay, great. I, I awesome. really want them to be used. We're using them here in the infant hearing program pretty extensively, but um, of course, you know, they, <laughs> they can use anywhere a parent needs information. So. Sure, sure. Or persuasion. I, or persuasion, I right. I right into right. Um, the literature on uh, behavior change to create those right. those videos. And what I liked about that was that it makes you consider more things than just information. You know, sure. it considers... They may have the information. They just may not be motivated mm-hmm. to do that. Or they may just not, they may know that they need to do it. They may have had the information, but they just don't have the strategies, the capability to, to take this on. So right. uh, we tried to cover those three bases uh, when we created the videos. So my yeah. my partner, um, Sheila Moody, Nice. I like it too. Um, there's sometimes, even with my like older students, it seems like if it's someone other than me explaining it, right. that it carries more weight. <laughs> like yeah. it this isn't just something that, you know, that Miss Kim lady made up. Like this is like other yeah. people are talking about this too. And that it is something that, you know, that does work and has some proof yeah. behind it. What I, what I liked in the process was talking to a lot of uh, very seasoned professionals because everybody has a different way of explaining things. And some people have some great ways of getting a very complex idea across. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I learned a lot about counseling and, and information, the way to share information with parents from doing this. You know, and I would pick pick the ones I really liked while I was trying to put these scripts together. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we I've just talked um a course in diagnostics this past fall semester and we touched on a little bit of um motivational interviewing and yep. and and getting through some of that content and this one student came running in the class uh after we'd done a couple of activities and lectures on all that and she says I actually had a breakthrough. I said, "What do you mean?" And she was like I used some of those so some of those strategies with this new parent that we were working with in our clinic, and it's like, and and the parent responded, "Yes, she did." It's like, okay. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's it's like this idea that everything that they're you know the faculty is drawing on about does it really work? You know, and she actually <laughs> said, "Well, I think I'm gonna try it," and it did. <laughs> so it was like maybe what they're talking about does make sense, and we should yeah. maybe yeah. learn this stuff. So yeah. uh, it was great. It was a great little moment. Well, Dave, I, you know, I want to I want to be um, very respectful of your time. So uh, we so enjoy talking with you, and and certainly uh, and love you having having you come back. How can people get in touch with you? And and I know Boom Learning, but give us all the ways that people can access your materials and and reach out. 
Okay, well, I, I'll I'll put that last plug in for here on videos mm-hmm. uh, on YouTube to see those videos. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the way I interact with the people that use my materials the most is through the Facebook page. So uh, Troll in a Bowl apps, Facebook page. And um, a lot of these games have evolved because of stakeholder feedback. <laughs> so right. people say, well, I'd right. love it if the characters are more diverse. I'd love it if they could do this or you need to include this for me because I've got all these kids. And I love that. And I think mm-hmm. people are surprised that I make the effort to change it uh, based on their their feedback. But I love uh, improving and sure. responding and making the tools work for people. So a lot of that happens on the Facebook page. I feel like we have great discussions on there, great feedback on there. And uh, there's some people that are on there all the time telling me what they think. And uh, very, <laughs> very nice. Very nice in the way they do it. I don't want to say anything. They're mm-hmm. very nice. And it puts me, it keeps me working. So that's great. So, um, and then of course, there's the the four four different boom uh boom card accounts I have and mm-hmm. they're all trolling the bowl something. And okay. then there's uh, I'm also trying to get on teachers pay teachers, but that I'd rather be making games than trying to figure out how to post um, advertisements on teachers pay teachers. I think you realize right. it's a great way to reach new people, but it's work that maybe is not as rewarding as drawing little marshmallows that jump in the hot tub so (laughs) (laughs) so, that's right uh, so uh, so the teachers pay teachers is not as big as the boom store awesome well uh hopefully the the millions of listeners that we have will be buying more of your stuff oh that'd be great that'd be great (laughs) but but you have to promise to come back and 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 visit us again and update us on any new products or anything that you're doing Okay, sure. Well, hopefully the next time I see you, I'll dug in even deeper with uh, with things for, you know, helping families who have children with permanent hearing loss. I, I'm working right now on, on something I think will help just explaining to older kids or even parents how the audiogram works. And it's going to be a boom card version. So, right. so I'm thinking more. I get to think more about that. Now that I've got 116 articulation games, <laughs> I don't know. I think they might come a little slower, but. Well, that's awesome. Well, well, have a great rest of the week and we'll we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you very much. Well, that was the one and only Dave Sindri. If you haven't heard of Dave, go check him out. He's got great materials over on Boom Learning and Teachers Pay Teachers, although more so on Boom Learning and on Facebook. You can join his groups there. Uh, just do a search. I'm sure they'll come up. He is an incredible clinician and just a very creative designer of materials, and I know you will enjoy using them. I know I do. I know Kim does. And with that, we do appreciate you listening to the podcast. If you don't mind, leave us a review. Those five-star reviews really go over well. They help us to attract new listeners, new subscribers, and that's something we're trying to do. And we'll be back again next week with another new episode. So please come back. And until then, be safe and be strong. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.